conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I'm joined once again by Katie Schaefer. And instead of talking comics this time, we are talking comic book movie, Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. I don't even know if I got that name right. It's in. We're good. I got it right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's technically not Doctor Strange 2. It is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So this has been brought to you by Deanna doesn't know the title of the movie she's talking about. (laughs) But what I do know, Katie, is that it was directed by our good friend, Sam Raimi. Oh, and how Sam Raimi is this movie? A lot. So much. That was one of the things I heard going in that a lot of people were like, you can't even tell Sam Raimi directed this movie and Disney really made him tone it down. And I I watched it. I was just like, you know, I don't get that criticism at all, but okay. Yeah. And cast wise, we've seen so many of these people before already. You have Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Elizabeth Olsen coming back as Wanda. You have Benedict Wong as Wong because that's creative casting there. And Rachel McAdams reprises her role as Dr. Christine Palmer. You have the Maximoff boys coming back from WandaVision. And we'll talk about a few other appearances a little later. But the big addition in this movie is Xochitl Gomez as America Chavez. And I honestly did not realize she was this young. Like they actually age appropriately cast someone. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and we read the America Chavez comics for the show a while back. I feel like this character is even younger than she was in those comics, because in those mm-hmm. she seems to be about college age. But yeah, this yeah. girl is on screen. She looks to be about 13, 14, I yeah. would say. And with that comic that we read, she had already known Kate Bishop and, you know, right. been in the hero world for a little bit, which makes sense because her character appeared back in like, I think the 2015 A-Force or something along those lines. Yeah, so yeah she has been around for a little bit, but still a very new character in the world of comics, you know, coming up in the 2010s, you know, that, that is recent as far as comic book history goes. We're not talking about a character who's been around for 50, 60 years like we are with so many of these characters. And her presence in this movie was just a fun intro to the character, her abilities, and it was the perfect opportunity to, I think, to introduce a character like America Chavez. Right, because we needed that multiverse hopping power. Hers is great for that, and it's a really unique way to fit the origin story of somebody else into a bigger Marvel film, which I honestly am much more about that than giving these new heroes their own origin story movies because it's just Mm -hmm. origin story movies are always the the weakest link (laughs) in my mind and I think for America Chavez I really enjoyed how well it blends in with the rest of the story yeah honestly all of the origin story movies have been not super fantastic except for Iron Man really in my opinion I thought Ant-Man was fun you know that one I'll, I'll give it some credit there But even Spider-Man, it was kind of not really the full origin story because of introducing him in Civil War. And you have these things that they had to do at the beginning to set up the characters. So it's understandable that we had Iron Man, Thor, Captain America origin stories. And I think this way, she's kind of getting the Spider-Man treatment where we don't have to get everything all at once because we don't get a whole lot about her personality necessarily because she's not quite at that age like she was in the comics where she's in this relationship and has other stuff going on instead this is more about her coming into her own as a hero and figuring out how to use her powers and along the way we get bits and pieces of the story with her moms and her origin place of origin (laughs) if you will And I think that works a lot better. And I don't think any of that really detracted from the whole Doctor Strange, Wanda, everything else story that was going on, too. Yeah, that I mean, it was a that was a tough scripting job, I think, 
it really had a lot of different elements going on, which is what I would honestly expect from a multiverse movie. You know, if yeah. it's, if your multiverse movie is uh, straightforward, you've probably uh, not made it interesting enough. And this allowed it so that Doctor Strange, he's still very much the center stage. You know, he's the heart of the film for sure. But it doesn't just zero in on him because the, the story they're trying to tell with Doctor Strange is something that is kind of... Um, I don't know what the word is, like roundabout, because mm. Strange is never going to just sit down and talk about, you know, his feelings and emotions. Anything. <laughs> right, right. So you kind of have to approach it sideways with him in order for it to feel like natural character development. So having this other focus on there and having him learn through helping her was a good choice well also not having america chavez be you know a woman in the refrigerator type thing where she is he is helping her find her confidence so that she can take on her power rather than rescuing her or something like that you know I mean, although he does they do have the rescue scene yeah it's still her who makes wanda have that realization oh absolutely and she is literally a kid still so it's reasonable that someone would need to help her out you know so i i yeah. like that aspect of it where he wasn't going to be like all of the other doctor stranges in the other worlds he was very adamant against that and look anyone who knows stephen strange's origin story knows he's kind of a egomaniac to say yeah, the least right. which so is tony so it's not lost on us that this is a type of man in the universe, both real and fictional. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, I was recently listening to the Ringerverse, and they had on Michael Waldron, who is the writer for the movie, and they brought up this great point about how you use the multiverse in a way that doesn't make it feel so overwhelming, which is why they kind of stick to spending time in one other universe versus making pit stops in all of the ones that we saw when they were sort of portaling through everything. Because, look, we don't need a whole scene in the paint universe. No, no, that idea is enough. Right. So I think him pointing that out in the interview just stood out to me because I was like, yeah, that would have been overwhelming had they tried to have this movie take place in like four different universes even, let's say. Yeah. Because this actually didn't have that long of a runtime. It was a little over two hours. And, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home was a little over two and a half hours. <laughs> As we know, with Infinity War and Endgame, those ran a little long, too. I don't know about Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals off the top of my head. Eternals seemed very long, but I don't know if it actually was. That just could have been for other reasons that we don't need to discuss. Right. But I think the way they handled the multiverse was done really well, and... They did allow Sam Raimi to put his spin on things because when we got Zombie Strange, I was like, thank you. I love this. <laughs> and and so much of the makeup and the uh, scenes with not just the Zombie Strange, but like the scenes with um, the demon spirits and all of that. Like there was so much Sam Raimi in this and the camera work. Good God. And, the, you know, obviously he didn't do the score, but the music in this, all of it is so right in his wheelhouse you know it's like the camera work in particular sam raimi has a very unique style mm -hmm. of how he wants his films shot there are lots and lots of dutch angles which is when the camera instead of you know pointing straight at things they kind of tilt it to the side yeah i most directors i'm like you get one or two of those a movie but with sam raimi he's just like i'm doing this 50 times and you will like it and i'm like okay sam raimi you're right i'll like it i will <laughs> and the use of music in this like a lot of times in the marvel films um excepting maybe uh james gunn okay. he has his own way of using it yeah it does exactly what a score is supposed to do it stays in the background adds a little spice to things um but in this movie the score drives a lot of the scenes like it is he is not afraid to just crank that up and make it this bombastic 
aspect of the film. I mean, he even has, you know, the fight scene between the two strangers where it's literally using music and, yeah. you know, which is also so unique and interesting. But it never distracts from anything. And that's my big right. thing about scores, soundtracks, whatever, any noise in movies, basically. I don't want it to distract me from what I am looking at. Instead, I want it to enhance it and kind of go unnoticed. And that's not to say that a score going unnoticed means it's bad in any way. I think that's when no they are really good. And you notice the score in those quiet moments, and it just enhances how you're feeling. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's exactly what Sam Raimi does. But he just cranks it up a little bit. And because his films are so heightened energetically especially that I think is necessary otherwise it would probably kind of just it wouldn't be enough if you're having all of these high high intensity camera work and events and all of that and then you just have like the lilting background you know so it's it really feels all of a piece which is not unusual for a Marvel Marvel movie or TV show but this feels like a Sam Raimi piece, which I was totally on board for. To me, this felt similar to how I felt watching Ragnarok and how much of Taika was in that. And obviously we have Thor Love and Thunder coming up, and I am definitely looking forward to that. But I think this, because of those horror elements, I think it kind of really just hit for especially the two of us and a lot of mm -hmm. people who have seen The Evil Dead and whatever else Sam Raimi has done in the horror space and obviously his Spider-Man movies, which right. have some great little horror elements to them, especially with Doc Ock and a few of the scenes in those movies. But I want to talk about Wanda's motivations in this movie because we all saw it coming and you are a mom. So I wanted to get your perspective on this because I don't know a ton of people with children. I know like a few, and not all of them love superhero stuff. So <laughs> I think you can offer a little bit more of a unique perspective on this than I can. But what did you think of her drive being the fact that she wanted to be with her kids because her universe was the only one where they didn't actually exist? I can understand that drive completely. You know, I, get, I, I totally get it. But and I think they portray it pretty well in here. I mean, this is a Wanda who has lost so much. Just, mm -hmm. you know, first her parents, then her brother, then or first her parents, then her country, then her brother, you know, then Vision, which she had to kill him. And as she says in the film, you know, to no effect. I don't think that's true. I think her contribution is a very significant part of Infinity War and Endgame. But she doesn't see it that way, which is the important thing. She doesn't have that perspective. And then, you know, obviously we see her grief, her going through the first two stages or so of grief in uh, WandaVision. And I think it's not necessary to see WandaVision before you see this. I think if you have some familiarity with the Marvel movies, it'll, go, it'll work for you. They mm -hmm. do enough. But if you see WandaVision, that really provides a lot of understanding and scope for where these emotions are coming from and how hard she fights to keep her children in that. And I really enjoyed the choices that they make with her and America and how America is like, what are you, you going to just kill her? Just going to kill the other mom and take over for her? What, what are you doing? Which is you. Right. You know, that's her <laughs> point. <laughs> like, are you going to kill another version of you who already cares for her kids as much as you cared for the ones in your vision, if you will. Right. And, and beyond that, you are taking away their mother. You are not like you can. That's so obviously the lie that she's telling herself is that she can just step right in, mm -hmm. want that. And therefore, she'll just have it. It's like, but you're not their mom. You are not the one who's been awake with them every night, who gave birth to them, who did all of the things that a parent does for their child. So therefore, you're also taking their mother away. How how could you want to do that? You know, to me, that was the instant like, well, you can't do that for myriad reasons, but especially yeah. that one. Especially to the kids you're claiming to love so much. Exactly. Like the selfishness of it, which I can understand the drive for that selfishness after you've lost so much. It's like, well, can't something just be for me? 
Mm-hmm. Can't I just have one fucking thing? And they chose to use that human empathy with those final scenes where America is like, okay, you want this? Here's here's the truth of what it would be like and forces her to confront that reality is the most human part of the film and the part that like makes it so good because you know superhero movies can be great for lots of reasons Mm -hmm. but this one in my opinion is great because it deals with the real emotions that Wanda is going through and the real costs of her quest for her children And it takes her going through that process to fully understand why she shouldn't do it. It's not just America sort of pushing her over the edge and having her finally realize it. She goes into that other universe and she's ready to step in and just be their mom. And you see the look of abject horror on those kids' faces when she throws their mom across the house. Yeah. It takes that moment for something to finally click. And you see it on her face, too. I think Elizabeth Olsen does a really great job of, you know, just showing everything. Mm -hmm. It's like she's wearing her heart on her sleeve this entire time. Especially as someone who has said she does not watch any of these. She Mm -hmm. does not watch the movies. She didn't watch WandaVision. So this is all based in her own understanding of the character, which is... very great. Yeah. And there's always going to be people who don't like watching their work. It's kind of like listening back to your own podcast. I hate doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot listen to something after I have gone through and done the editing because I will pick out every single (laughs) little thing that I missed. It's like I just have to do the edit and let it be. (laughs) It is what it is. Unless I screw something up and someone tells me, then obviously I'll go fix it or whatever. Like if I got a track off by like five seconds and it screws up the whole thing, (laughs) which I've done. Right. But I understand that feeling of not wanting to like consume your own work after the finished product is out. And just the fact that, you know, we're talking about a Doctor Strange movie here and we've barely talked about Doctor Strange 20 minutes in. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's so much going on here. And this is so much more than just a Doctor Strange movie. He is the vehicle through which these stories are being told because of his powers and the fact that he's really the only one who can sort of contend with the Scarlet Witch. And even he's like, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't do this on my own. And I, one of my favorite scenes, comedic scenes is when he goes and he meets the Illuminati and he's like, dudes, dudes, she's coming right now. And they're like, mm, we'll handle your little witch. And I, you can see him just being like, mm, you think that. You think that. (laughs) Yeah. So before we dive into Illuminati more, because there's a lot to discuss there. Oh, right. For such a short scene, if you will. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about Doctor Strange himself a little more, because this movie opens with a different Doctor Strange trying to help America. Yes. And I was like, oh, no, he's in a man bun. And yeah, or a ponytail, whatever it was. And he was like, I had a ponytail. And it's a ponytail. Yep. <laughs> you know, when he meets his other self later, who is very dead, and he just buries himself, which I yes. also love. But the arc that Doctor Strange goes through in this is crucial to his character, because his ego hasn't completely gone away. It's kind of like the same with Tony and everything that he went through with Pepper. It's like she definitely Mm -hmm. made him realize a lot of things. And Christine is that person for Doctor Strange. And he's attending her wedding, which has to be a gut punch. And her new husband is like a huge fan of Doctor Strange. And he has to leave in the middle of the like wedding reception. (laughs) To go superhero off. To fight this ginormous thing, which they can all see. So it's not like he made something up and left. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, they see this ginormous thing (laughs) that is happening. And the fact that he goes through such an emotional story arc in this with a Christine from a different universe Mm -hmm. who's already experienced you know a frustrated love relationship with a different doctor strange right and that strange is very dead yes for reasons that all come back to the dark hold and we see how that affects wanda and you see what he goes through when he has to use it again not again but when our strange has to use it and christine is there with him and Mm -hmm. great scene by the way all of those you know like demony 
ghosty things. I'm super great at describing things in case you couldn't tell. But all of the horror elements in this really hit for me. And I think with a character like Doctor Strange and the fact that the Darkhold played such a big role in this, you have to lean into that. And I love that they did that. And you can see Doctor Strange, especially when America tells him, you know, you're all the same. Yes. And he's like, no, 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 I cannot. Yeah, he can't be do that. This. He won't yeah. give in to, because there's obviously a lot of temptation, but because of what we saw him go through in the first movie, where he, he's like, okay, well, I'll just die over and over again until you uh, realize what's going on, Dormammu. He, you know, that really drastically changes him in that he has to do it by himself without any recognition from anyone else he just has to you know not he doesn't know if it's going to work like you know he we see him go through something that presumably you know who knows if the other strangers went through it i would it was really hard to tell with that part of it in the multiverse yeah but it made him a little bit of a different strange not to mention the what's hinted at is the people who keep telling him you know it was the only way was the only way Mm -hmm. and it's like well yes I think so. Yeah, he went through every scenario that he possibly could. You know, and and having all of those people who are blaming him for the loss of their loved ones when it's like, well, it's, he's just one man, but okay. <laughs> it's like everyone was expecting him to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders just because he can do this thing that not everyone else can. Obviously, you have Scarlet Witch who can do things to a certain extent and more than Strange can. And I feel like... It was something that we've seen him evolving. It was to the point where we've seen him evolve through all of the movies that he's appeared in. And sure, maybe his first movie wasn't the best. I liked it enough. I didn't think it was, you know, top tier MCU or anything. But when you see the way he interacts with Peter and you see the way he interacts with America, it's completely different from the way he interacted with Tony. You know, because you had two egomaniacs (laughs) going at it with each other as to, you know, who was right, who was going to listen to who. And it's different with Peter and America because they're so young and he does think they're annoying at times, which I love the way that comes across. And he doesn't hide it. He's like the child-free uncle who like puts up with the the nieces and nephews because he knows they'll eventually grow into like cool adults. So he's like, well, uh, this is my obligation. I better just put up with it to help them become better people, I guess. So, But he also doesn't want them to become as jaded as he became. Yes, yes. He wants... He wants better for them than he wants than he had himself or that he has become. Mm-hmm. And I think that shows a lot of growth for a character like Doctor Strange in particular. And we saw the same thing with Tony and Peter, too. It seems like Peter is kind of the character who can get these guys to straighten up their act a little. <laughs> yeah, stop being so damn selfish. I think that's right. the thing. Is And have a little um, humility. That is the thing that it seems like a lot of the other strangers are really missing, mm-hmm. is they, they have no humility and they do not question their own ideas. You know, like... It's very clear that no one has put them in their place. <laughs> yes, yes. And that in this, in the 616 universe, he hasn't had that option. The universe has put him in his place before and had him deal with the loss of Christine and not through death, but through her own choice. I think that's also super powerful. And she's the one who says like, nah, dude, nah, you always have to be holding the knife. Yeah. That's such a powerful line for the two of them as surgeons, where it's like, no, I, this is why I can't be with you. And that he is like, okay, I messed up. I need to deal with that is a huge growth moment for him instead of just, well, you're just a bitch or something like that. (laughs) You know, do that go the incel route. Like he accepts and learns humility that like maybe he's not the greatest dude. Maybe he does have a lot of flaws that could drive away the person that he loves the most. Yeah. And to go back to the Illuminati now. All right. Because that is, you know, when we're getting a lot of these strange and Christine moments is when she has him and America in, you know, their individual cells and Wanda comes. And the fact that they put so much effort into getting us familiar faces 
for the Illuminati. I really enjoyed because, sure, Haley Atwell was playing Captain Carter instead of Agent Carter. Mm -hmm, but But as soon as her and Captain Marvel were going up against Scarlet Witch, I was like, yeah, here we go. And they take it all away from you almost immediately. Mm -hmm. It's so brutal. And that reveal of John Krasinski as Reed Richards, and then just him getting literally pulled apart. It was just one of those things where I was like, okay, they decided to go big with this and gave us these characters we love in, you know, Captain Carter. Professor X. And especially Professor X. Yeah, the, yeah. I think those two were the big ones that, like, we already had attachments to. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, Haley Atwell playing a slightly different version of the character. But, you know, I don't think anyone was really attached to Black Bolt from Inhumans. <laughs> no. And, I mean, we did. We had seen Maria Rambo before. Yeah. Because she's, uh, she's in the Captain Marvel movie. And she is playing Captain Marvel in this instead of, right. you know, how we saw her previously but i think just taking that all away and obviously you have mordo as well right which instantly i was like don't don't trust same don't trust (laughs) no absolutely not and strange is just like none of you want to listen and they all pay the price for it and i love that they were like okay yeah we'll give you john krasinski fan casting and we will take it away from you immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Although my assumption is that that is, that's our read, regardless, because they've had the same, well, no, there was in WandaVision. We did get a slightly different uh, Quicksilver. But other than that, I don't know that we've had any alternate casting step in. No. Oh, Rhodey. Because they recast him from Iron Man 1 oh, and yeah. to Iron Man 2. And now it's... um. Don Cheadle. Yeah, but I think that was more issues behind the scenes than any... That was definitely issues behind the scenes. Any real reasoning behind that other than they were having trouble behind the scenes. It wasn't for story purposes or anything along those lines, but to see Haley Atwell just get cut in half, it's like... Brutal! Oh, oh, that's how you're gonna do this. And I still loved that entire sequence of Wanda just destroying all of them because you see how far she's fallen. Yeah, she's desperate. Because she's taken over the other Wanda's body at that point. Right, and that poor Wanda. And she's just coming in barefoot, too. I was like, honey, put some shoes on. Right? Just, (laughs) that poor woman's feet must have been so just destroyed. Yeah. You know, and she, because she's still pretty injured when we find, when we, in that final scene, when we see her, she's still pretty like, oh, damn it. You just wrecked my body and now you're going to do it again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how I feel when I do anything I haven't done in a while. Oh, Mm -hmm. ow, that hurts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think they, I was fascinated how they used Charles Xavier in this. And I thought they really leaned into the multiverse aspect of this, which I think is a great choice. So I'm interested to see if we'll get more. Charles Xavier, but the use of the Illuminati, which is, you know, we get just the bare taste of why the Illuminati exists. Yeah. You know, there's a whole ass comic run just about that. So I loved that they just reached out and took just all this weird stuff. They were like, oh, this works for us. This works for us. And just crammed it all in together because that, in my mind, is where the multiverses really excel. Because you can just, you can play in the yeah. space and have, you know, Captain Carter, who just get brutally murdered in front of us. <laughs> even though she just keeps, she keeps going. They even, she even got to say the line, I can do this all day. I was like, oh. And it was so much better than when they had Steve say it. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's so, she's having so much fun, it seems like, mm-hmm. in the role. And I bet I bet Haley Atwell was just like over the moon when they were like, hey, do you want to do this role? You want to be the badass instead of just having a cartoon be the badass? Yeah. And I think the writer in that same Ringerverse episode mentioned that she was basically on loan from Mission Impossible because... Oh, that's right. She's in that. Yeah. So I love that they were still able to get her and have her have enough time for even just that couple scenes there because she's in the Illuminati room and then the fight scene and love the jetpack. Right? I was like, that is 
very good. That is a useful thing for that character. I mean, so Reed Richards, before we get any t- too much further. Yeah. We don't get a lot with him. Mm-mm. How'd you think Krasinski did, though? You know, once that fan casting was going around, I was like, yeah, I could see this. And I haven't been too fond of any of the Fantastic Four movies. The only one that I think is any good is the Roger Corman one that they made to keep the rights back in like the late 80s. Which I have not seen that one. I think that one's a little harder to find. But, you know, I watched the most recent one when it came out in theaters, like, what, six, seven years ago? or Mm, With Miles Teller as uh, Reed. Yeah, and that one just did not do anything for me. And obviously, you know, Chris Evans being in the first two (laughs) you're not gonna have that casting come back again because we've already used him and i can't even tell you who reed was (laughs) in those ones yeah i don't i can tell you that jessica alba and chris evans were in them and neither of them are reed so i have no idea but (laughs) i think this is just a good chance for them to kind of start over and i think krasinski can play sort of another yet another egomaniac because let's face it, mm. Reed Richards also a very big ego, very in his own head most of the time, at least from yeah. what I've read of the Fantastic Four stuff. And I think when you have people who can really dig in to that kind of role, because all of these people in the MCU seem pretty pleasant. Yeah. As far as like, as actual human beings. So to see someone like Robert Downey Jr., play Iron Man and Benedict Cumberbatch play Doctor Strange and have these, you know, massive egos that sure, maybe Robert Downey Jr. had at one point in time, but life gave him his humility lesson for sure. Right. And right. I think it's just, it's fun. I, I like the casting. I hope they do keep him, but I would also understand if they did not. I, I would too. I think I my husband and I were talking about it and Tony and Stephen both know they're assholes. Like, they know they have huge ego and they don't care. Whereas Reed Richards genuinely thinks that he's, like, a very nice man (laughs) who is also, and it is uh, canon in the comics, that Reed Richards considers Reed Richards the biggest risk to the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Like, he's Reed thinks he's the most dangerous thing in the entire universe. That is how up his own ass Reed Richards is. Yeah. I just looked up who played Reed Richards in the, you know, 2005, 2007 movies. Yeah, who was it? I cannot pronounce this right because he's from Wales, so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. Yeah. But I think it's Ian Gruffud. Literally never heard of this guy so I'm probably definitely butchering that, which is a thing I tend to do with names, especially when I've never heard them. And I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff since, but it's like BBC stuff that I have not seen. So, yes. And that's the one that had Michael Chiklis as Ben Grimm. Yes. Which must have been so weird for him because he was quite a bit older than all the rest <laughs> of the actors. Yeah. Where, whereas the 2015 one had Jamie Bell as, mm-hmm. as Ben. And then you have Julian... McMahon as Victor Von Doom in those movies, and he has since played a character in Runaways. Oh, okay. So I don't see them necessarily bringing any of these people back in any capacity for Fantastic Four like they did with Xavier for X-Men. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we'll see any of the other ones. I, I just why? Nobody liked any of those movies, first of all. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Patrick Stewart, the icon, you know, has played, has has two different giant genre roles, both as Picard from mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek and as Professor Xavier. And depending on which fan group you're in, like, that's who that man is. You know, he's yeah. so fantastic as Professor X. I mean, James McAvoy, love him, love him to death, but not as good as Patrick Stewart. And I don't think he would dispute that. I mean... It's pretty ballsy to say that you're better than Patrick Stewart at acting. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are very, very few people who would ever 
one, be able to claim that, and two, actually say it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the one who, who could definitely say it, I would say, is Ian McKellen. And he is one of the best actors in the world, so. And those two men are so nice, neither of them would ever say that. No, they're besties <laughs> anyway. So, and I think, yeah, I am interested to see what they bring in. And I I mean, I hope they stick with Krasinski for Reed, because I do think you need a, with how they're casting these things, for Reed Richards, I do think you need a, a name. Mm-hmm. to play that role because otherwise they're not going to get the fan recognition that a character like Reed Richards really needs. Not that Fantastic Four is anywhere near as big as any other Marvel property, but it's still Stanley's, you know, it was his baby. So yeah. And I think so many of the fans enjoyed that casting mm-hmm. that it'll be hard for them to kind of walk it back. But i like it would be bold of Marvel to walk it back and be like, just kidding. And I know I right? would be okay with that. Cause you know, we're not going to get the same Captain Marvel because we already have another Captain Marvel. Right. And I, you know, that I think they're going to address in the next Captain Marvel movie. Cause I think there are supposed to be three. Yeah. Cause it's the Marvels. Right. Miss Marvel. I think Monica Rambeau. I don't know if they said her superhero name in the show. I didn't think they had yet. I don't think so. And then I th- and then obviously Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the Marvel's world. I know. <laughs> so, Can't wait. Especially Can't by the wait. time that movie comes out. But mm-hmm. for this, again, I just love how much it didn't necessarily solely focus on Strange. And you have Wong being the Sorcerer Supreme. We, we've barely talked about him. And he's oh just, God, you know, he's so great. doing his own thing, providing some more comedic relief. And you see him being just as persistent as Doctor Strange, especially when, you know, he's thrown off the cliff there. Oh, that's so great. And, you know, they're probably not going to be bold enough to kill him off. No, I was, <laughs> I was like, well, I knew that they didn't. Because I saw after the fact, after Strange released, that uh, fans were calling for a Wong uh, Disney Plus show. Mm. So I was like, oh, thank God. We don't lose Wong. Wong is like, I love that man. He's so, he's so fantastic. (laughs) He's just, because he's he's powerful enough to be the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. He's just more um, traditional. It feels like that's the thing that separates him and Doctor Strange yep. is that he is very much brought up in the traditions of the Camartage way and Strange wasn't. So it enables him to just, bah, I'm just going to do weird shit. Whereas Wong is like, no, we got, these are the rules, man. We got to stick to the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he likes his rules and that's okay. Yeah. And I they... Don't waste him by killing him Mm -hmm. in this is so, you know, like the friendship that him and Steven have is such a big part of Doctor Strange because he's he's the one who's like, hey, hey, you're just a man. Chill out. You're not that cool. Yeah, I, I will say one of my criticisms of the MCU is that they kind of wait to kill off characters because we had, what, 20 movies before Infinity War and Endgame or 19 and right. then Spider-Man came out in between or right after Endgame or something. And they waited so long to kill off any major characters, it felt like, yeah. with Black Widow and doing all of these things that they did. I almost wish they would take some more chances and kill off characters we like in not the big event movies, if you will? I think they'll eventually reach that point. But I think there is a lot of uh, fear around doing so. But I think now with this multiverse setup that they have going, they don't have to feel like, oh, well, this death is the end. Yeah. And I mean, with no offense to clint barton at all (laughs) right i'm not 100 percent sure how that man is still alive and some of the other people are not (laughs) i know right and and how he won over the over natasha i don't get but probably because she's the more badass one so she was like no she wasn't gonna let him do it right you have children no which is its own thing but 
I like I don't know that we'll ever see Scarlett Johansson again beyond as a uh, like a bit role, mm-hmm. you know, for like, oh, we're traveling in this multiverse and here she is to do a five minute thing. Yeah. But they're re- instead doing what they're doing with Captain America, where they're replacing her with uh, Florence Pugh's character as the Black Widow. And I think that is a better choice generally to do rather than like bringing them back from the multiverse but i think if they have that option they'll be less likely to hesitate and make a big step with that like like they did with aunt may Mm -hmm. still rocked by that one gotta gotta say yeah and obviously she's not one of the heroes but that's a death that still hits no matter what and They've really put Peter through the ringer, but <laughs> right, they really have. That's besides the point. We're like, they were like, we're gonna kill your aunt and make everyone forget you. Everybody, literally everybody. Have fun. Yeah. With maybe the exception of Doctor Strange, I feel like there's a way that he has remembered Peter, which they don't touch on in this, even though he was supposed to yes. forget too. But I feel like this movie does a good job of setting up so many options for what comes next Mm -hmm. regardless of if they keep the casting because obviously we cannot have charles xavier forever you have to hope patrick stewart is willing to do it as long as they will pay him but you know he's he's not that young no he's almost 90 i think now well he doesn't look it so good for him (laughs) no right Right. That's what personal trainers and living. Uh... He's about to be 82. So not quite 90. Okay. But still, that man could retire anytime he wants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what did you think of the end of this? Ah, the end. Are we talking about the end before the credits or the end with the credits? Before the credits. Let's tackle that first and then we can talk after. Okay. Scarlet Witch just destroying everything. Mm -hmm. The start of her redemption arc, because she has caused so much destruction. Like, she killed a bunch of people. Brutally, with no care. Just, you're dead. Yeah. She destroyed so many things (laughs) in this. And obviously, Illuminati aside, she just killed an entire group of the sorcerers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just so many of them. And destroyed Camartage as well yeah. and which you, you know had to have repercussions for the city that's outside of Camartage. Mm-hmm. she's angry the rage that she is filled with in this see i don't mind them making scarlet witch go through this villain arc it makes sense given the amount of grief that she has gone through you know yeah when tony would go through stuff he would drink and he would become his own villain in a sense Mm -hmm. He wasn't necessarily taking it out on anyone in particular, other than maybe Pepper at times. Right. No more than an alcoholic who is in violent does on their family and friends. Right. It does affect everyone around him, but he's not going at it in the same way that Scarlet Witch does. She is taking action. Yeah. He's kind of just taking inaction, if you will, because he's too drunk to do anything. And There are certain heroes in the Marvel Universe where that line between hero and villain is a very fine line. Mm -hmm. And we see it with Magneto to an extent, too, which I think is important for obvious (laughs) reasons between his character and Scarlet Witch. But, you know, Magneto isn't always a villain in the X-Men stories. Right. Or even in the X-Men movies. Yeah. So... I think having characters like that is necessary because you can't have this being, oh, the heroes just win all the time and they're all fine. Right. I think it works better that she is, for a justifiable reason, I think that's the thing that I really... It's like Clint is Ronan. Yes, exactly. They have reasons. He's not a hero in that moment. No, no. And he pays for it afterwards. Mm -hmm. He pays for it, you know, both... In a lot of different ways. Clint pays for that time in his life. Yeah. And Scarlet Witch is going to have to do the same. Right. And I don't know. I I wonder if they'll keep her dead in this. I'm not convinced she is. You didn't see her dead. Because she could have easily had herself protected while everything went down. Right. Or she could be so powerful at this point that that's not enough to kill her. Mm -hmm. It puts her into a, a 
a coma, trance, a magical state, whatever. We don't see her dead body. And that is kind of important for the MCU. It's like, well, are they dead if we don't see the body? No. No one's ever dead in comics if you I don't mean, see the body. That's <laughs> or true, Or even too. if you see the body, you could fill Coles in it and not be dead. Right. So there's no definites in death for comics. And obviously, they're planning to keep some people dead, like Black Widow. So you have that moment afterwards, too, where Doctor Strange is like, Wanda actually did it. And if he hadn't have said that, because he didn't talk about her in the past tense, necessarily, like, Wanda sacrificed herself for this. Yes, that's it, too. I didn't catch that. He just says she did it. Right. She she ended the Darkhold. Right. Which is huge rippling effects on the multiverse. And I can't imagine they would let the character end that way, considering how much I think people seem to enjoy it. Because can you really kill off Scarlet Witch and Black Widow? Your two biggest female characters... Well, now that they have Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau and a bunch of other women. But I don't think we know enough about those characters yet for people to be as invested. I, I agree. I don't think you should. I don't think you should kill them off. And yeah. I think there's a lot of direction for them to go with Scarlet Witch. And I would argue that people actually like Kate Bishop and Florence Pugh more. I know. Oh, I'm, I'm mixing names here. I'm <laughs> giving a character right. name. <laughs> no, but I agree. They're both they're both fantastically fun characters to watch. But I think it'll be interesting to see if they keep her dead or not. And or out of the game is probably a better thing because I could also see that they'll be because um, you know who I was surprised we didn't see anything of in this is Vision mm -hmm. because he's around. He's doing something. Well, white vision got to be there somewhere. Exactly. And we don't see any vision in this, which I was fine with. Mm -hmm. I was just surprised by it because it felt like that was a almost a missed opportunity. I mean, you didn't need to cram anything more into this film by any means. But I think that that is an untouched on aspect that I will be kind of surprised if they don't have some closure to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are so many things that I want to talk about with Marvel, but we're already approaching an hour here. <laughs> I know, right? We never go this long. I know. I know. There's a lot that happened in this movie, but I think if you don't have any other thoughts, we're safe to discuss that little credits bit. Let's dive into it. Charlize Theron. I was, I've been waiting. I'm like, where's my girl? I know she's going to be in here. Like, it's, it's crazy that she hasn't been. And I had honestly thought for a little while that she might end up being Sue Storm. Mm. I'm really glad she isn't because Charlize Theron does not need to be tied down by all of the baggage that comes with being Sue Storm. Yeah. She's so much more fun as, as this character, Clea, who is in canon Doctor Strange, one of Doctor Strange's love interests. I saw her appear on screen and I was like, okay, Marvel meets Fast and Furious. Let's go to space. You know? <laughs> Right? Where's my space car? Yeah. And don't they get married at one point in the comics? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. They're, because she's uh, in the comics, she is Dormammu's daughter. Okay. And grew up in the dark dimension. And that's that's where she's a sorcerer of, mm -hmm. is the dark dimension, because she is a niece of Dormammu. Nor nie thank you. Niece of Dormammu. Daughter of Umar. Okay. Just doing some quick fact checking here because I knew nothing no. about this character. <laughs> That's fine. I read about it after I saw the movie and I, you know, this is a deep cut character, so it's hard to find necessarily accurate info on a cursory Google search. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see where they go with her. I think it'll be... Charlize Theron does have quite a bit of control over the characters she plays because she's she's got those bona fides. Yeah. And so I... I would expect to see some pretty awesome stuff from her. You know, she does not play small women in this, you know, like she is not a shrinking violet. Right. She will be a badass beyond badasses as she was as Furiosa and Mad Max. Yeah. And even in the Fast and Furious movies, she's making recurring appearances in okay. more than one movie. So she's so good at playing a villain, too, though. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get the sense like 
she seems like a like a Wanda or mm-hmm. um, Magneto character where she works in shades of gray, which is perfect for Doctor Strange. Yeah, because he really needs that antagonistic, I think. And she can challenge him power wise because she's supposed to be pretty dang powerful. Mm-hmm. But the thing I am concerned about is we are now going to have to wait so long to get anything more about this character. It's like, how could you show us Charlize Theron? And now we got to wait like two years. Seems so unfair. What a tease. Yeah, I wonder if there's any way she sort of does the Thanos thing where she appears in multiple credit scenes, you know, or they hint right? at something bigger because maybe something with the Marvels. Mm-hmm. That I could definitely see because she's got some world hopping thing. Yeah. Or something with America Chavez. I could see that as well because America's coming into her own. And, and have they said anything about what they're doing with her character? I didn't think that she'd been announced for her own Disney Plus show or anything. I have honestly lost track of what they have and have not announced because like we're getting an echo show that is a spinoff from Hawkeye and I like the character enough I don't know if there was enough in Hawkeye to sort of justify an echo spinoff necessarily we'll see how that plays out but America Chavez was actually supposed to debut in No Way Home because I think the movies were flipped at first Doctor Strange was supposed to happen before No Way Home or something along those lines and things got moved. So then they had to switch her out with Ned. And, you know, because we saw Ned doing the the portals. Oh, yes. Yes. And we see her learning that towards the end of the movie in Doctor Strange. That's right. Yep. She's becoming a sorcerer. Yeah. So I think there hasn't been anything else announced just yet. But because of her going through that training, I could imagine her popping up in some other things along the way and just kind of, you know, obviously being used for her abilities. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I wouldn't be surprised if she makes an appearance in uh, Miss Marvel. I think that's probably one of the more likely ones. Yeah. And I have so many thoughts about Marvel, but I'll have to save some of them for after the the episode because, you know, I I do want to talk about Bruce Campbell real quick here. Oh, God. A fan favorite for... Fans of Sam Raimi selling some hot dogs. I, you know he was going to be in it. You, you knew he was going to be yeah. in it. And I, the whole time I was like, who's he going to be? Where? Where's Where's my boy? Where's Bruce? And you know it's going to be comedic relief. Right, because that's always the role he's played in all of Sam Raimi's Marvel editions. Because he's in every single of the three Spider-Man movies. Yes. And we love a good Evil Dead, like we said earlier. <laughs> so, Of course, of course. And Ash vs. Evil Dead is also pretty great. And he's, it's a lot more comedic in that one. Yeah, just a fantastic bit role in this f- for him. Selling some hot dogs, punching himself in the face, and then the post-credit scene. Because the Cleo one was the mid-credit scene. Yep. And then you sit through everything just to have him stop punching himself in the face, which felt like a little bit of a cheat on Marvel's part, but... I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> I think that was Raimi. That was Raimi because of the because of him shouting, "It's over! It's over!" Yeah, that's like fun. that was totally what the. It felt like that was the point of the scene to me, which was like, "Oh yes," it's, he's saying, "Get out! It's over! No more superhero for you." Yeah, Katie. Any final thoughts on Doctor Strange? I gave this a four out of five. I had a very good time with it. Like, I think this was the mm-hmm. most fun. I had watching a Marvel movie since Ragnarok. And that's not to say I didn't like the other stuff, but I knew Spider-Man No Way Home was going to hit different because of Mm -hmm. all of the Spider-Men being in it. And then you lose Aunt May and it just, it was fun, but it wasn't super fun. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it it was a good movie, but it wasn't necessarily always enjoyable to watch. Whereas this has a lot more of that uh, fun factor, if you will. And I feel the same about, I think, maybe even four and a half out of five. Like, I really enjoy Doctor Strange as a character. And this hit all the things I was hoping it would. Yeah. Um, and the only, I think I, I had one last thought, which is, it's a tiny thing. But I do love the fact that throughout the entire film, America Chavez is wearing a GLBTQI plus pride pin mm-hmm. in a prominent place on her, on her uh, jacket. Like, I thought that was great. And I know... Not enough, Disney. Not enough. But they didn't change the origin story of her two mothers. Mm -hmm. They allowed her character to have that tiny progress. Tiny progress. So, yeah. And like we said, 
she's obviously a queer character in the comics, but she's not quite at that same age yet. Right. Which I was... Yeah, we don't want to see that at that age. So I think this is something that not only she can grow into, but Disney can kind of gradually step into. It's like they're pacing themselves very slowly, but... Very slowly. We'll take it. Exactly. I will take it. And I, I think there's just, like I said, so many things that you could talk about with this movie because mm-hmm. so much happens. And we spent a lot of it not even talk- talking about Doctor Strange, like we said, because there's just so much. And, you know, despite him being egotistical, this movie isn't all about him and he knows it. And I loved everything they did with him and Christine in this. Yes. Yes. I thought that was that was a good uh, a good choice that bucks tradition, and I think it made it a little easier on him. Not that it necessarily should have, but because it wasn't his exact Christine, it felt like he could open up a little more. Right, and I think it felt the same for her, being that he's not her Stephen, mm-hmm. and it allowed her a bit of a reset. And the same for him because he proved to both her and America that he was not like the others. Right. To an insane degree of being willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah. Or, and sacrifice his soul. And also, I will say one other thing. The eye in the forehead. <sighs> yeah. Weird. Looked weird. <laughs> I know that it's, it's one of those things that's so unnatural that there isn't going to be a way for it not to look weird. Yeah. But still, it happened. I was like, oh, close your eyes, sir. That's creeping me out. <laughs> and it coming back at the very end, too. Yes, that the you have to pay. Everybody has to pay the price for using the dark hold, mm-hmm. and that was a good follow up. And to me, it also implied that like there was a cost that he may not yet have paid for using the dark hold, and that can unravel. And we can see if Clea can help out with that, hopefully, right in the future, exactly. And yeah, I'm excited for what's next. It has felt like a lot because I've been wanting to dig into the comics, but with so much coming out, like I was able to read Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight run kind of while the show was going on. But it's like, I wanted to read Illuminati. I wanted to read some other stuff before this movie. And, you know, we did read that little five issue America Chavez run, thankfully, before Mm -hmm. seeing the movie. And that I wanted to do because I didn't know a whole lot about that character. You know, we've seen Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch, and I've read comics with both of those characters in them. But, man, there's so much that I want to read before some other stuff comes out. But, you know, thankfully, I have read a good chunk of Miss Marvel comics already. Oh, good. So I'm kind of covered there. I've read some of the more recent Captain Marvel stuff, too, so I don't have too much to catch up on between Miss Marvel and the Marvel's movie. But... You know, Thor, Love and Thunder coming up, oh, too. And I really wait. need to read Jason Aaron's Thor run. Yes, I've heard I've heard good things about that. So we're not really going to do recommendations. But if you want something to read before the Thor movie comes out, Jason Aaron's run, that's where it's at, apparently. And mm-hmm. I think everyone is looking forward to Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah. Those <laughs> guns, baby. Those guns. And that most recent trailer that just dropped where... Uh, <laughs> I really can't wait to see her and Tessa Thompson interact. They're both such fantastic actresses with a director who is totally fine with them, you know, destroying all of them, being playful with each other, (laughs) that too. And them just being playful with each other that I was like, yes, I, the, this is the, this is the couple I want to (laughs) see. Yeah. I will be curious to see how, the next slate of Marvel movies end up looking because I know that was also another criticism of a lot of the first 20 movies was that they looked very much the same-ish. And I think this one looked a little different, but as I've been doing more video stuff, you know, I've been learning about color grading and all of that fun stuff that comes with Mm -hmm. video work. And obviously I'm not doing anything crazy it's just video podcasts that are like filmed in logs so i get to play play around with some colors <laughs> but right. it's fascinating to watch like youtube videos on that stuff like i watch a lot of patrick h willems videos and because he makes short films and movies he knows about all of that stuff in greater detail than i do as just like a regular movie watcher and he has pointed out like issues with those early Marvel movies, like up through Civil War, I think, and how they look. And it's just like, 
okay, maybe open things up a little bit. And it feels like they started doing that with Ragnarok and a little more with this. And, you know, sometimes these superhero movies, there's just scenes that are so dark. And I'm like, I I know why this is the way it is. And it Mm -hmm. is because of CGI. So maybe we ease up on some of that a little bit. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I was pleased to see how many... um, practical effects there were in this for a Marvel movie and that's exclusively because of Sam Raimi in the same way that the one good thing I will say about the Eternals is um, Chloe Zhao's insistence on shooting outside is one of the reasons the movie looks good as opposed to studio yeah Eternals I've heard a lot of people say it looks bad but I'm like I don't know a lot of this is like you can actually see what's happening (laughs) yep you could see their hair being blowing in a real wind and all of that like I like that Feige Kevin Feige is allowing these directors to kind of say like no we need to do things like shoot outside have practical effects because they look better than not yeah so and they have to have seen the criticisms over the years of these movies exactly it's Disney (laughs) I'm sure at one point like by the time Civil War came out it was kind of already too late to change things up too much And then they sort of get into the next phases. And, you know, Blade, obviously expecting that to be a dark movie. Yeah, I would hope so. Because of the nature of of Blade. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I watched all three of those recently. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, the second one's good. Oh, boy, that was... That was an experience with that third one. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is a lot. So yeah, I'm excited for what's next with Marvel, though. And Katie, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I got the title right this time. Yay! Thanks for having me.